week, we started a brand new series called Alive, Living Life with a, and yes, Alive, Living Life with an exclamation point. Remember we said last week, people always ask, what's the point of life? And the point of life is an exclamation point. It is not a comma, not a question mark, and it is certainly not a period. It is an exclamation point because Jesus Christ came that we could have life abundantly. I'm kind of digging this little extra panel that kind of comes out. Just kind of just get right over. If I have anything in my nose, just let me know, will you? Okay. We did this because the kids are going to be here today. Man, wasn't that fun? The kids love that. Three people. Yeah, that's good. I think we already clapped for that. I don't know. Do we clap again? John 10 and 10. Do you have that back there, Justin? John 10 and 10 is what we read last week. The thief does not come except to and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, I've come that may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The message says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Full, rich, satisfying, better than you ever dreamed of. This is the kind of life that God desires for us. This is the kind of life that Jesus Christ died for. So in this month of April, we're going to be talking about what I believe is the mission. I don't believe I know. This is the mission of the hills And it's not just the mission of the hills, it's the mission of Jesus Christ. And that is that we could live abundantly. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Christ wants you to live abundantly. Keep on, not just get by, abundant. Not just survive, but thrive. Not just enough for you, but overflowing so you can share it with other people. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great lunch today, all right? I mean, do I really need to say anything else? Kristen and I on the way to church today, and I would love riding with you today, babe. We worked it out so we could ride to church together today. And those of you that don't do that, we have a lot of our team that serves differently. Try to make a day every, every so often that you and your family ride to church together, all right? And just make a pack. We're not going to fuss today, all right? And it's just this gentle, beautiful thing. It can be. And so Kristen and I were talking about the message today and reading. I was going back over John 10, and she said, John... If we could all just get that one principle, we could change the world because it would change our life. That is that Jesus is rooting for you to live abundantly. Some of you were raised that God is rooting against you. Raise your hand and be honest with me. Nobody ever said that blatantly, but you just had this feeling that he didn't like you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Yes, he's rooting against you. And yet the scripture says he came, he died, he bled, he was massacred like an animal so you and I could walk an abundant life. And so we believe that our mission, what God has called Kristen and I to do, 
personally, what God has called this church to do, and what Jesus Christ is really all about is getting us to that place. Last week, we talked about what is abundant life. How does God view abundantly? How many could tell me the three points that we made? Raise your hand. I'm not going to make you do it, but how many could tell me the three points that we made? Man, I am such a great preacher. So proud of myself. I got you on the spot, didn't I? What does God call eternal, God call abundant life? Number one, somebody said it. It is eternal. It is about others. And it is over and above. Jess Reed, you did it, baby. Come on, man. What does God call abundant life? Say it with me. Eternal. Actually, you're saying it after me, okay? Eternal. About others and over and above. That's what God sees as eternal life, abundant life. It's eternal. It's not about now. It's about others. It's not about me. And it's over and above. It's not about what I have right now and just getting by with this. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. And so last week we talked about what it means to to God for us to have abundant life. Today, I want to talk about how do we actually begin living an abundant life? How do we step into that? I want to share two principles with you if we get to both of them. If not, we'll pick it up next week. I'm excited about Easter, y'all. I'm excited about Easter. How many have someone coming with you? How many have someone coming with you? Remember, 90% of folks will go to church on Easter if someone just invites them. So on your way out today, make sure that you're grabbing some of these. I've got a handful in my car, and I just leave them. I leave them on gas pumps. I leave them on ATM machines. I just put them out everywhere. So do that. Just take them with you and invite folks as many as you can. How do we live an abundant life? We're going to be talking about this next week as well on Easter. Number one. The way that we live an abundant life. Turn to Revelations chapter 12 and verse number 11. Revelations 12 and 11. It says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Say it with me. Say overcame. An overcomer. Not just a get buyer. An overcomer. You know how very rare it is to meet an overcomer? We meet people that are just getting by, and most of the time they're letting us know they're just getting by. Fussing about it, complaining about it. But you ever just meet those people that you just feel like, they are killing this thing. Just an overcomer. The scripture says that he has given us the opportunity to be overcome. We'll come back to that. So if you've got your your Bible, just put your finger in there or put your little tab in there. And watch this. Romans 8 and 37 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So overcomer, more than conquerors. That phrase, more than conquerors, means to have complete victory or to prevail completely. Let me explain to you what we're talking about here. The difference in how most of us live our life and what Jesus Christ really died for. You and I are happy just to beat something for one day. 
right? And then if we beat it for two days, a week, come on, we were tweeting about it. And if we happen to get all the way through that workout regiment, we're going to Instagram before and after pictures. Here's the deal with being a victor and not an overcomer or more than a conqueror is that you can, you can train, you can, you can do everything you can to get ready for that battle. And you can just have that one punch that just lays them out, that perfect thing. And then the next week, they're back again. It's a rematch. And now they know what punch to watch out for. That's how most of us live our life, just day to day, week to week. And yet the scripture says, and I'm preaching to myself right now. The scripture says that we are more than conquerors. Not just an overcomer, more than an overcomer. Exceedingly, abundantly, above a conqueror. That scripture means this, to completely prevail over. Like to get it to where they don't even want to fight anymore. Not just a battle, not just a a 10 count, but there is such annihilation that they throw in the towel, no mas, no mas, no mas, and retire and never get back in the ring again. Now you just take that and tie that into whatever battle you have right now. What is that thing? What is that situation? What is that memory? What is that deal that you continually battle with? How many know it right now and you can name it by name? I'm not going to tell you to, but just raise your hand if you know it. Oh, I got it this week. I got it this week. And then that's not how God wants us to be. He wants us walking in such victory that that thing doesn't even try it anymore. Oh, it may throw out some little whatever, but it's not going to really get back in the ring again. Because we have stepped into such power. The only way you do that is to know that you have all authority in Jesus Christ. That he has given us all authority and all power. The Bible says all authority has been given unto him in heaven and earth. And now he has given that to us and commissioned us to go into all the world. John 16.33 I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How many want to be an overcomer? How many want to be more than a conqueror? You do? No? You good? I'm going to say it again. How many want to be an overcomer and more than a conqueror? doesn't make me preach any faster if you applaud louder right there. So how are we more than conquerors? Back to Revelations 12. The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their their lives to the death. Look at me. The blood of the Lamb. That's what Jesus did. We had nothing to do with that. That's all Him. The word of our testimony. That's what Jesus did for us. That's where you begin to share, this is what Jesus did for me. So you notice that? We have nothing to do with either one of those. The blood of the lamb, that's all him. The word of our testimony, that's all what he did for me. But this next one, and they did not love their lives to the death. That's on us. 
So how do I step into an overcoming, more than conqueror, abundant life? I have to lose my life. Now, isn't that a dichotomy? That to live life, I have to lose my life. He said, those that overcame him, I love this, triumphed over the devil. Not Look, not just your addiction. Not just your depression. The devil, that's what the script, this is what this is talking about. Those that overcame the devil, the word calls him the prince and the power of the air, the God of this world. Those that triumphed over him are the ones that understood the power of the blood, the power of the testimony, and the power of laying their life down. It said these are the ones that did not love their life even so much that they weren't even afraid of death. I'm going to tell you something. I love my life. I may get mad at me, but I love me. I may not like things I do, but I love me. And I will fight to survive. We talked about it last week. The greatest fight that you can have is that fight for survival. You're not going to take me out. With my last breath, I'm going to be fighting all the way to the end. And so there's this self-preservation, me, protecting me. And yet the scripture says, if I'm ever going to move into an overcoming abundant life, I've got to be willing to lay me down. So much that I will lay it down and let it die. Abraham Do you love me? I love you. Then take your son up and sacrifice your own son. Does that sound insane to anybody but me? Really? Sacrifice my son? And the whole time, he never wanted it. He just wanted to see, was Abraham really ready to lay it all down? Jesus, you want to save the world? Here's how you do it. Lay your life down. Why would we think that if Jesus could not save the world without laying his life down, that we could just get by without laying ours down? I told our team this morning that I was a little edgy, and I'm not normally edgy. I was a little edgy this morning with our worship team, a little edgy, just I just feel this thing on me. And I, I told the team, I said, you guys haven't been around me long enough, but when I feel like I'm supposed to speak on something that's a little hard to speak on, that's a little tough, sometimes I get a little edgy. Kristen's been, been with me for 21 years coming up in July, and she knows there are just those days that it's just that edgy thing. I felt that today. Because I knew that I was going to be speaking to people that love their dreams and love their passions and love what they feel like they're supposed to do. And the whole point of the gospel is you've got to lay it all down. And it's not an easy word. It's not easy to speak it or to say it. We read this scripture uh, several months ago. Mark chapter 8 and 34 says this. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said to them, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. Watch this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. My life is only life if I give it up. We did a series, several, uh, the last series right before this, we talked about all in. Remember, we started the whole thing off by saying to be a winner, you got to be a loser. To really step into everything that God wants you to step into, you're going to have to lay it all down. Why does he want us to get to the place that we don't love our life even so much that we will lay it down? Here's the reason. Or the reason, not the reason. Here's the reason. Remember what Jesus said? In this world you shall have, over, you shall have trouble, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Those that overcome the devil are the ones that don't love their life to the death. Why is this the reason? The reason is because you can only overcome death if you're already dead. The only way you beat death is if you've already died. So when Jesus said, I have overcome the world, death hell and the grave, he had already suffered and gone through all of that. I'm looking at some today that want to be overcomers. We all want to walk in victory, but we really haven't suffered the death that we need to suffer. To lay our lives down, to lay our minds down, our hearts down, our ambitions down. I tweeted something this past week, and I said something like, the people that are almost impossible to pastor long term are those that are always looking for a problem in their church are those that think their church is perfect. It's hard to pastor those people long term because the ones that are looking for a problem are going to find it really quick because we got them everywhere. Trust me, that's the reason I was a little edgy today, just trying to deal with everything. We got them everywhere, and every one of you could raise your hand and point out four or five. Look, we know it, okay? And the folks that feel like their church is perfect, it's always scary to me when the people that show up, this is the greatest, this is the perfect place, and I'm just going to give it. That scares me just a little bit, because I know they're going to find out, this ain't perfect. I thought it was perfect, and it's not perfect. And the folks that find it hard to make it long term are the folks that are still hanging on to the hurts that the last church did to them. And they bring into this church the problems they had back then. Or you bring into this relationships the issues that you had in that relationships. And you're hoping that because she's prettier and nicer that it's going to be better than it was back then. And she may not even be prettier or nicer. It could just be that she's newer. And she doesn't know quite yet. Or he, whatever that is. And that's not just relationships. That's jobs. That's church. It does not matter. If you're not willing, if I'm not willing to lay this life down, I'm going to keep dragging those issues into everything I walk into. And then every new relationship that you walk into, they have to deal with what you dealt with back then, even though they had nothing to do with it. So how do I make it? How can I be an overcomer? You got to die. 
You have to die. Paul said, I die daily. Every morning I wake up, I have to lay it down and go, my dreams, my visions, my hopes, my desires, my hurt. Let me say something. Man, I'm going to just pass over just a moment. Sometimes we hold on to our hurt even more than we hold on to our accomplishments. We just roll into every situation with that hurt and bitterness and thinking that everybody's going to treat us the same way. See, here's the deal. You can't hurt a dead man. You just can't. You can't offend somebody that has no breath in them. You can talk about them, their mama. You can tell them the mortician did the makeup all wrong. That doesn't hurt their feelings at all. Does not bother them because they're in another place. See the point here? If we could ever get to the place that we would die out to our own hurt, that somebody offended me, I was abused, I was neglected. What if we could lay that down and go, you know what? I'm going to let that part of me die and not carry that in it. Then you begin to walk in as an overcomer. And when you face death and tribulation, you go, you know what? I've already faced you before. You don't scare me any more. So first of all, the way that we are overcomers is you got to be willing to die for something. Say it with me. you got to be willing to die for something. Is there anything in your life that you're willing to die for? I mean, lay it down. Now, let's take out, let's take out your family. Let's take out your kids. Now, is there anything in your life you would lay down your life for? Right now, I will die for this. If you don't have that, you need to begin to pray for that. Because that's when you begin to move in abundant life. Who are the people that change the world? Who are the people that change entire countries and continents? They're the people that say, I believe in something so strong, I will lay my life down for it. Pray for that. What is that thing? What is that mission? So number one, how do I live an abundant life? I've got to be willing to die for something other than myself. Number two, I've got to be willing to live for something other than myself. I think a lot of times we talk about heroes are the folks that have died for something. But what about the people that have lived for something? Instead of the martyrs, what about the people that got up every day and said, I'm going to do this because it counts and it matters? Write this down. It is not life unless you're living for something. What is a legacy? A legacy is a life that has been lived for. And if you don't know what your mission is in life, then you're not living for anything. You're just surviving. If you don't know what your values are, then you don't even know how to move toward your mission. We've got something that we're planning right now with our family. We're going to reevaluate our values as a family. Davis doesn't even know this yet. But we're going to have a family meeting in the next week or two. We're going to sit around and talk about what are our values as a family. 
What do we value? What matters most to us? And what is our mission as a family? What has God called us to do? And so then when Davis moves on to seventh grade and Evan goes into the next level of high school and on to graduation, we can freely allow them to go knowing they know what the Ragsdale values are and they know what the Ragsdale mission is. So I would just say this, if you don't have that, begin to do that for your own life. Because without a vision, the people perish. And you don't have a mission, you don't have a vision. And if you don't have values, you can't even walk toward your mission. So you have to figure out what is it that God has called our family to do? What is it that God has called us to live for? Because I think many times as Christians, we always talk about, like I said a moment ago, you got to be willing to die for something. And that is part of it. But watch this scripture in Mark chapter 14 and verse number 29. Kristen, Mama, how are we doing today? We good? I'm glad my mama's back at church. And I'm glad Kristen's back at church. Both of y'all were gone. I didn't know what to do. Thank God Ann was here, amen, and me. Mark chapter 8 and 34. Wrong. Mark 14 and 29. We've already done Mark 8 and 34. Mark 14, 29. Peter said to him, even if everyone deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Can't you see that? Jesus is talking about what's getting ready to happen, and Peter's like, oh, no, not me. I'll go down in flames with you. And Jesus said, well, here's what's going to happen. You, this is, here's what's going to take place. You're going to deny me. You don't even, you don't tell me you don't even know me. You're going to curse my name is what you're going to do, son. No way! I will never do it. All the others, like, yeah, yeah, me too, me, me too. Can y'all see it? Yeah, me, me. What he said, I'm there. Isn't it amazing? People just looking for a leader, just looking for somebody. Peter's like, I'm not just going to do it. I will, I will die for you because he believed in the cause. He believed in Jesus Christ, and that is part of it, Eric. A part of it is having that thing in you that you would lay your life down. At some point, lay it on the ground and say, take my life for this cause. And I believe that Peter would have done it. I believe he was just that kind of guy. If you follow the apostle Peter throughout the scripture, he was crazy. He just did crazy stuff. Jumped out and walked on water when nobody was supposed to be walking on water. And I really believe with all of my heart that he would have done it. I mean, you know, you ever read the scripture when the Bible says they came to take Jesus Remember in the, in the garden right before his, his crucifixion, they come to take Jesus. What does Peter do? The scripture says he grabs a sword and takes a Roman centurion's ear off. Do you think he was aiming for the ear? He wanted to split his skull in half. I will die for you. He believed it. Ben, he would die for him. There's no doubt. In fact, he proved that at the end of his life, they crucified him upside down, willing to die for him. But what Jesus was saying here is, I don't want to know if you'll die for me. 
I want to know if you'll live for me. I don't want to know if you'll lay it all down for me. I want to know if you'll pick it all up for me. I don't want to know if you'll bleed out for me. What I want to know is will you take all of the stuff, pull it up into yourself, and walk around as a living testimony of what I have done in your life. I don't want you to give your life up for me. I want you to give your life over to me. I want you to hand it over. Will you do that? I'll take it right now. Come on, just give it right now. I think it's so easy for us to talk about that I'll die for you. But to really do it now? One of my dad's favorite stories are the two guys, the two farmers that are walking down the road. And the one guy looks at the other and says, man, if you had two houses, would you give me one? And we're best friends. Of course I'd give you a house if I had two of them. I thought so. Hey, let me ask you this. If you had two brand new tractors, would you give me one of them? Man, I would give you one of those tractors. If you had two cows, man, you know I got two cows. I'll give you everything, God. How about now? Right now. Hand it over. Boy, I was talking about that when I get the Grammy. I'll say, I'd like to thank my Lord, precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No, but what about right now when you're writing the songs? Will you start there? When I make the money and I'm out of debt and retirement is set and I will, yes, I will do it. What about right now? Will you just give extra for Fall Hamilton? Will you just be consistent in paying your tithes and your offerings? Will you just help the widows and the orphans now? Man, when this happens and we get to the place, but what about right here, right now? Not when you're drawing your last breath. Right now. With all of your goals and dreams and passions and desires. And Kristen and I are so blessed to pastor a church that is full of people with talent and passions and desires. But that is also a two-edged sword because we pastor people with talents and desires and ambitions. What if we would all take all of that and channel it into what God has called us to do? I want to encourage you as God's begin to dealing with you about bettering yourself, don't just make it about working out, eating right, and paying your taxes on time. Make it about spiritual things, godly things, kingdom things. I'm going to discipline myself, and I'm going to do more crunches next week than I did this week. No, I'm going to just do crunches next week. I'm going to run that extra. I'm going to push the plate back. I'm going to be nice to my wife. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Don't forget to open up that living, breathing word in the morning and breathe that word in. Don't forget to have your time with Jesus Christ, that you're talking to him. Anybody else guilty of that besides me? Look, I'm being honest, and I'm the pastor. I'm not ever supposed to forget to pray, but I forget to pray. I will get through the day and go, oh, my Lord. I just woke up, and there was an emergency, and I was running and doing my thing, and I get to the end of the day, and I have to block out time at the end of the day. I'll find myself checking emails and reading this and reading that and realize that I got through the day and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and my spirit is worn out and I realize I didn't spend enough time eating the word of life.
We'll talk about that. The things you need to survive are air and food and water. Isn't it amazing? That's all what the, the Bible calls the word of God, the bread of life, the living water, and the, the God-breathed essence of life. Don't forget, as you're making your life better, to get to that place where you're being spiritually fed and reconnecting with God. Let me ask you one more thing. Why are you even doing what you're doing? What's the purpose of it? Why are we building our career? What's the point of it? Well, when I get it to a place, and I'll be, I hear it all the time. I can't wait to get my business to a place that I can just take care of orphans. And, man, I'm going to build a church, a new building. And I'm, okay, great. But what about right now? Now, just set up a chair. Help us set up a chair. Help us watch the kids in the back. Help us put bags together for Fall Hamilton. Be nice to your neighbor. Make your coworkers like you. Start now. Don't wait till it's a success. Do it now. Why are you wanting a ministry? Why? Give it to him now. We hear it all the time. This is my ministry. I got a ministry, my ministry. Look, I don't even want a ministry. I want to be a part of his ministry. Why are you working on your marriage? What's the point of it? What's the point of your marriage if it's not his? Psalms 127 and 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Let me just clarify this to you today. It doesn't matter the life that you're living if you're just living it for you. And so that we can have a comfortable, nice life and we can get to 25 years and go, we made it to 25 years, congratulations. It doesn't matter if the point of it is not centered around Jesus Christ and what he wants to see happen. Look at your neighbor and say this. Put your finger up and say, ultimately, life comes from God and life is going back to God. So you might as well give it over to him now. How many received that word this morning? You received that word? That wasn't so bad, was it? What if today there are some of you in this room that could just make a life change? A life change. That it wouldn't be about you and yours, but it could be about him and his. We say it all the time. And Casey reminded me of this the other day. We were in one of our meetings and we were talking about how can we, how can we motivate people to, to live for God? How can we motivate people to give and to serve? And how can we do it? And I love what Casey said. It's about him and them. Remember, we started the church that way. We started talking about it. It's not about us. It's about two things, him and them, and nothing else matters. We would say it every Tuesday night. It's about him and them, and nothing else matters. What if we could get that heartbeat? That we'll lay our life down. That we'll live our life for him. That we'll take a step today that our life can be impactful and change others' lives.
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day, this Palm Sunday. I thank you for it. And Lord, your word says that as you came in on the back of the donkey, that they cut the palm trees and laid them along the road. Those palm trees symbolized their livelihood. Symbolized what they prided themselves in. And they laid it down for the donkey to walk on. Today, Lord, I pray there would be folks in this room that would lay it down. Not waiting on the heavens to open up and angelic choirs to sing. Or not waiting for someone to require they lay their life down. But today, right here, right now, they would lay it all down for you and pick up what you've called us to walk in. Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Ghost, breathe upon us this morning. Come by your power. Come by your grace. Come in all of your glory. We want more of you, Lord. I hand it over to you today.